Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Nets World? We're back on the Believe in Nets podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Slater, Brooklyn Nets beat reporter for ClutchPoints.com. Back after a short end-of-season hiatus, but the offseason, man, it's already getting into full swing. The finals aren't even over yet. We already have talks surrounding some of the biggest names in the game. And what do you know? The Brooklyn Nets are at the center of that in the form of Damian Lillard, who said on a recent appearance on Showtime Sports that he is interested in coming to the Brooklyn Nets labeled the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn Nets as obvious trade destinations. And this shouldn't come as a surprise if you've been following my coverage the last couple of months dating back to Lillard's courtside appearance at Barclays Center for Game 3 of Nets Sixers. But this all but confirms it, and I don't want anything lost in translation with the clip and how Damian was presented the question. So here's what he had to say. Everybody keeps saying Damian Lillard is going to be traded to the Knicks. Damian Lillard's going to be traded to the Heat. Damian Lillard should be traded to the Celtics. Damian Lillard's going to be traded to the Nets. If one of those trades went went through out of those teams, which one would you be like, ah, that's not too bad? <laughs> Miami, obviously. <laughs> 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 Miami is the obvious one. And Bam is my dog. Bam is my dog, for real. But I mean, I think Miami the obvious one. Brooklyn is obvious one is another obvious one because Mikael Bridges is my dog too. So I mean, and both have, and both are you know capable have capable rosters. So interesting, interesting. All right, uh, October twenty fourth, when the NBA tips off the new season, do you think Dame Lillard will be in Portland? I do. Okay. So you heard it there. Damien's presented with the Heat, Nets, Celtics, Knicks, all playoff teams who are logical landing spots for a superstar who would be on the move. Immediately points to the Heat and the Nets due to his connections to Mikhail Bridges and Bam at a bio. And he obviously was asked, do you envision yourself being on Portland at the start of the regular season? Hesitated slightly, I have to point out, and then said I do. But the significance of this, you rarely ever hear franchise players who haven't requested a trade. Keep in mind, Damian Lillard at no point has requested a trade. He might have hinted at some ultimatums, but has not requested a trade. You rarely hear those, those players answer questions about a trade and go as far as labeling specific teams that they would want to go to and calling them obvious destinations. So I definitely think that this is something you can read into. And there's definitely significance behind these comments, given the uncertainty surrounding Dame's status in Portland for what is now like the last three off seasons. So there's definitely a way of looking at Portland and the direction that they're heading, likely going to be able to grab a guy like Scoot Henderson, who's a generational guard prospect with the third overall pick. Having that possibility versus the possibility of trying to move that number three pick to get a win now piece alongside Lillard that likely doesn't even put you into the upper echelon of the Western Conference. It's, it's significant in terms of hinting at where they're going to head. And Dame, like I said, gave them an ultimatum at the end of the regular season, said, I'm not interested in playing with guys who are 18, 19 years old. Well, unless they're going to move that number three pick, you know, Scoot Henderson 
Then Shaden Sharp, really young guys. Anthony Simons has come along a little bit, but still only 23 years old. I mean, this is not a win-now roster. And is one move of moving that number three pick going to make it one? It doesn't seem like it. And it seems like the Trailblazers know that. Despite what their comments have been, if you look at their moves in recent years, they kind of hint at eventually kind of a one-foot-in, one-foot-out-the-door mindset of they moved off of win-now players in last offseason and the offseason prior. And then at this year's deadline, they trade Josh Hart and also Gary. Gary Payton, obviously Hart's going to be looking for a new contract, but just moves that don't signal we're trying to keep guys in. It's been a lot of moving off of those pieces, clearing space, getting youth, getting picks, and Dame is going to be 33 at the start of July. By the time that his contract is over, he's going to be 36, making $63 million. It just just doesn't scream we're looking to go all in on this. I think they recognize that this is a time where they could get off this contract and this is a time where they could get value and reset really nicely surrounded by guys like Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, players like that. So then talking about these trade negotiations, how the Nets fit into all this, when a superstar like this is going to be on the market, a lot of the conversation immediately goes to who has the most picks, who has this player, who has that player, especially for a superstar as old as Dame, it's not about that. It's not about who has the best assets, who has this, who has that. It's about where that player wants to go. We just saw it with Kevin Durant, who wanted to go to Phoenix. The Nets said they wanted to do right by him. They didn't even entertain other offers or let it get to the offseason. They sent to, they sent him to Phoenix, albeit for a very good package, headlined by Bridges Johnson and four first-round picks. But If a player says where he's going to want to go, a team is not going to trade nearly all of their assets for a 33-year-old like Lillard who doesn't want to be there. We've seen firsthand throughout the KD Kyrie era how hard it is to win a championship, how many things have to go right, how many things have to break your way. Having a top player like Lillard Lillard, who isn't on your team is not a recipe for success. And you keep seeing it with these players who are under contract. The leverage, you know, the prevailing thought in recent years would have been this guy's under contract. He doesn't have leverage. This team's going to go get the best offer. But these guys do have leverage in the sense that they can, in two seconds, leak their list to Shams, to Woj, to Haynes, to whoever, or they can do a kind of what Lillard just did and put their teams out there. And then teams who aren't on that list start saying, we can't really make this move, especially for a guy who's moving into the latter stage of his career. So the Nets and the Heat, if indeed that ends up being the final two teams who Dame would have on his list, that is extremely significant in terms of the price, in terms of now you're bidding against just the Heat as opposed to the rest of the NBA. And Second, you have to think about what Dame has meant to Portland. This is the most meaningful player in franchise history. I have an extremely difficult time believing that they would send him somewhere that he doesn't want to be. If a team was even willing to do that, which I just said that I didn't think they would. And I, I think that they're going to want to do right by him, given what he has meant. It's extremely difficult to find and retain superstars in a small market like Portland. You don't want to build a bad reputation within those circles. So this is an opportunity for Portland to send Dame where he wants to go, obviously, as long as there is a reasonable package to get back for him. 
Now, when you look at the Nets and the Heat, just talking about those two teams, when you compare the assets that they have, the Nets have the better assets of those two. Obviously, if Dame points to one versus the other, that will influence the price, as I just said. But Miami, when you look at their situation, they can offer a maximum of three first-round picks. Their main salary fillers are Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson in a trade. Lowry's on a $29.7 million expiring contract next season. Robinson's owed $58 million over the next three seasons. And, you know, despite his slight playoff renaissance, that deal is largely viewed to have negative value as the guy only averaged about four or five points in the regular season, shot 32% from three when that's supposed to be his calling card. So, I personally do not think a Portland team going into a rebuild will want to take on Duncan Robinson for the next three seasons at 29 years old, making $19 million annually. And behind, beyond that, it's Victor Oladipo who's going to pick up his $9 million player option. Then there's Caleb Martin, who's about to be making $7 million before he'll opt out and most likely get paid after what he's done in these playoffs the following year. It's going to be difficult for Portland to probably look at him at his advanced stage and see him as something. And it's going to be difficult for Miami to even want to move off a player like that after the, the value deal that he's on and the playoff performance that he's just turning in. And, you know, like I said, Lowry – uh, Duncan Robinson, main salary fillers on big numbers. Then you got Tyler Hero, who is, you know, getting he's age 23, he's a young guy, but is Portland going to have interest in Tyler Hero and paying him $120 million over the next four years with Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simon, Shaden Sharp in place already as the backcourt of the future? In my opinion, he'd probably have to be rerouted for more picks. So they deal him to a third team and have some picks going back to Portland. So if we're talking about the absolute best that the Miami can do just in a package going, I guess it's Hero, Oladipo, Nikola Jovic, three first round picks. That would probably be my package. That would be the best for Miami. But then you have to talk about the new CBA and the new second apron instituted, all the roster building limitations that that sets on you if you get above that. If Miami makes a trade like the one I just presented, they're going to have $171 million committed to seven players next season. And the second apron is $179 million. So that means they would have $8 million to fill out more than half of their roster, which is not possible. So that's an extremely big problem in terms of how they would go about finding the rest of their players to fill out the rotation. Because at that point, you're only talking about Lillard, Butler, Adebayo, Martin, Lowry. You know, that's like your five. And then beyond that, you know, you got Oladipo, you got Haywood Highsmith. You have, you have a roster that has a lot of holes in it with no flexibility to fill it out. And if you do fill it out, you're going to go over that second apron unless you are able to move off a guy like Kyle Lowry and his 30 million, which they're not going to be able to do without their draft picks. They'd likely have to wave and stretch him, which is a thing that, you know, it, it inherits its own limitations moving forward. So Miami, it, they could put a package together that could pique Portland's interest. But the main takeaway that I would have is that the Nets will be able to beat that package. And if Miami was even able to get Lillard, they would have it. They would be extremely limited in terms of their financial situation. And on the other hand, the Nets can trade up to eight first rounders compared to Miami's three. That includes a pool of 2027, 2028, 2029 picks from the Suns, Mavericks, and 76ers. 
Those should have significant value to the league, given they're all unprotected except for the 76ers in 2027. They have Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, and Patty Mills as salary matchers, all of which are expiring contracts next season. So it would be able to open up some cash space if those guys were involved, which should be valuable to a team like Portland. Then they have Nick Claxton, obviously becoming a young, coveted big man around the league. Also Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal, who could be traded to a third team to get picks to reroute to Portland to save the Nets some of their own draft capital. So that's kind of where the Nets lie. The big question to me will be the inclusion of Claxton in this deal. If you're talking about package for Dame, I put one out with my last article that's centered on Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, Cam Thomas in there as a sweetener. You give up three first-round picks. You could trade Royce O'Neal to a third team like the Cavs, who are reported to have interest in him, get another first-round pick. So that's basically four first-round picks going to Portland. They're going to open up $48 million in cap space, I think, the next offseason. And then they have Spencer Dinwiddie, who they'll likely be able to reroute at the deadline for another first-round pick. So if you're looking at the end game, you could be looking at four or five first-round picks 47, $48 million in cap space in the 2024 offseason, completely resetting your sheet. And, you know, that's not a, it's not a bad deal and it's not a bad, you know, option for Portland. But when you're dealing a player like Lillard's caliber and everything I said, what he's meant to the franchise, and you're completely going into a full rebuild, the odds are they're going to be asking for a young piece to be in this deal that is really going to do something for them. And that player is going to be Nick Claxton. And that's where it gets a little bit hazy for me when talking about the Nets. I'm going to talk, you know, later about whether or not I think this is a move they should do. But you know, with everything I just laid out, when you look at a team going into a rebuild like Portland, they're going to be looking for two things out of the players they get in the deal. They're obviously going to be looking for multiple first round picks, but in the players, they're looking for youth, they're looking for upside, and then they're looking for aspiring or flippable contracts that will open up cap space for them or net them more draft picks. And the Nets have more of that than the Heat do. The Heat have Kyle Lowry's expiring. Beyond that, they have Hero is a young piece, but like I said, he has his fit issues with three 10 back backcourt pieces that Portland's going to already have there. And then you have Duncan Robinson, who's 29 years old and is making $19 million over the next for annually for the next three seasons. Not a guy they would want to have as compared to the young pieces that the Nets have or the guys they have that are expiring, plus having more first round picks. So all of that, if you could follow that, is just me saying that the Nets have better assets if it were to come down to these two teams. And, you know, Claxton, as I said, is going to be the sticking point. He's 23 years old. He's, you know, rising as an all NBA, all defense candidate and a perennial potential defensive player of the year candidate. He's on a great contract next season. And then he's going to get paid, which, you know, could have the Nets. It's a conversation that has been in Nets world in terms of Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, you know, all of these pieces that the Nets have. How many of these guys can you pay if you're hoping to attract a star like Willard? So there is something to be said there. But if you include him in a deal, you're coming back when you maybe you take back Yusef Nurkic, but you're coming back with no backcourt. We already know that the backcourt depth that the Nets have is extremely thin. So it's definitely something to be thinking of there. And Portland, you know, they're going to want him because like I said, he's young, he's developing, his ceiling appears to be much higher than even what he's at right now. And they're going to have no problem paying him going into a full rebuild and resetting their cap sheet. So, you know, the question that I'm going to answer to round this all out, is this a wise move for the Nets? 
I've really been torn on this since July or since um, Dame appeared for game three of the Nets Sixers and started the speculation started to pick up a little bit. Obviously, he has all his connections to Mikhail Bridges. He's called him his favorite small forward in the league. He said prior to this season on a podcast that he was the kind of player that he would want Portland to acquire. Uh, recently on ESPN in an interview during a playoff game, he was asked which players in the league he's a fan of. He said uh, Mikhail Bridges and Devin Booker. I was at Mikhail's exit interview. He was asked, did you know Dame's going to be attending game three? He kind of smiled and said, I know people. Cam Johnson said, I know they're close. They've been seen partying in recent years. They've been on Instagram live, everything. There's this whole rigmarole of connections from Mikhail Bridges and Damian Lillard. And it's obvious that Bridges is a kind of guy that he would want to play for. But Dame is turning 33 in July. He's making $216 million over the next four seasons. He's going to be getting paid $63 million in his age 36 season, which is terrifying. And, you know, there's something to be said for that. But then on the other hand, he's also coming off the best statistical season of his career. He averaged 32.2 points, 7.3 assists per game, 46-37-91 shooting splits. The guy shot 37.8% from three on 11 attempts per game, 11 attempts per game. I mean, like that's Steph Curry level shooting. Curry's a little bit higher. He's above 40% on that volume, but the volume there is just unbelievable. And, you know, people like to talk about how Dane's game is going to age. I heard this prevailing sentiment from some corners of Nets world that he's not going to age well. He's going to slow down. You know, there is he going to slow down? Yes. He's going to be less explosive getting to the rim or maybe creating a shot off the dribble. Yes. But I push back a little on the idea that his game's not going to age well because he's an elite shooter. He's one of the best shooters in the league. He's over 37% for his career from three on like nine attempts per game. Like I said, the volume that he had last season, he's a guy that can stretch a defense completely out and his range is unbelievable. And we all know the, the kind of shots that Dame has hit from, you know, that game winner against the Thunder, a series clincher from like 40 feet. I mean, he has range and he has ability to do things offensively that will help this team. And, you know, if you're trading him, you're likely opening a two to three year window to build a championship roster. And this is, you know, when you talk about this deal, a lot of people on Nets Twitter or in the Nets uh, fan base are saying that the ceiling of this team, if you get Dame, is likely a second round exit, which I'm not disagreeing with that's definitely true but you're not looking at the nets for what they're going to be after they get dame you're looking at the nets for what they're going to be able to do after they get dame and the further moves that they'll be able to make because the nets have you know eight tradable first round picks right now they have 11 first round picks over the next eight years if they trade dame and say they were able to reroute a royce Mueller, dorney finney smith and only give up three of their own first round picks you're then left with five, six first-round picks left over to pursue that next star. And that's when things get interesting for me. You know, is if you're just getting Dame and you're looking at this from the Nets perspective of we're getting Dame, we want to be competitive, we want to be fun, and there's no plan to get that next guy to go alongside Dame, then I don't think it's a good move for the Nets and I would stay away. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of we're going to get Dame, we have a luxury that a lot of other teams don't have within this new CBA. As I said, I wrote an article recently about how difficult it is to construct rosters with three stars with the new CBA and that new second apron that I talked about earlier with Miami. 
The Nets have a luxury that most teams don't. They have Mikhail Bridges under contract for $23 million annually for the next three years. It's one of the best contracts in the league and a guy that has legitimate star potential. And they have the ability to turn him into a number three because of that. And if you can get Damian Lillard to be that one, you know, that two or that one B, and then you can find that next guy to come to play alongside him. Because at that point, you're looking at a team that in Brooklyn, that's in the New York market. You have Damian Lillard, you have Mikhail Bridges, you have a few other pieces around the margin, and you have a stockpile of draft picks. If you are a star who's looking for a new team and an opportunity to vault yourself into contender status in a desirable situation, the Nets are going to be near the top of that list. And Damian Lillard obviously has his connections throughout the league, and we'd be able to help in that recruiting process. So that's that's the interesting part that you have to take into account with this Dame deal. Don't look at it for what it's going to be if they make the trade and what the roster is going to be immediately next season. You have to look at it for the possibilities beyond that. And, you know, like I said, it's not a given. It's not like, oh my God, they're going to trade for Dame and immediately there's just going to be this 1A star that's going to come to them. It's not a given. But if the Nets have a plan and the Nets have an idea of a group of guys within that, you know, tier that they would want to go after and they think that having Dame, having Mikhail, having those picks would put them in a position to do it reasonably then it's a move that i think you have to consider so you know there's a lot of angles from this i tried to go over that as best i could there's the angle of obviously trade for dame and then the other side of it is would you try to trade mikhail to portland for that third pick and get a guy like scoot henderson and reset it and you know while i think that that could be a wise move for the nets to reset if they have the opportunity to get a guy like scoot henderson when you're talking about Joe Sign, you're talking about Sean Marks, and you're talking about what they did with that James Harden trade, there is, I have this feeling that they could be looking at those rocket picks that they gave out. And there's a, a fear of the optics of resetting and going into a young team that's going to struggle a little bit out of the gate, but with extremely promising pieces like a Scoot Henderson because of the fear of turning those rocket picks into something extremely good for them. And I, that's not the right way to go about it because at the, at this point, you know, you're looking at economics, those picks are a sunk cost. It's done. There's nothing, there's no significance to you. It doesn't, it doesn't help you. It doesn't hurt you in any way other than optically in the way that people think about it. But having said that, I do think that that reality will deter the Nets from going into a mode where they're selling off their veteran pieces and going all in on a young team like that. I think that they want to stay competitive. And I think that if a move like this is available and they have an idea of what their next step would be after that, I think that there's a good chance that they could be, you know, in the, they could be in the mix here, you know, a colleague of mine, Brian Lewis, who I've, you know, worked with on the Nets beat from the New York post reported that the Nets have legitimate interest in acquiring in Dame per sources. I've heard similar things from people that I've talked to around the, the league and around the organization. And I do think that the Nets could be in on this. I think there's a lot of ways to examine it. There's a lot of you know, aspects of what's included, what draft picks are they giving up? Is Nick Claxton, is Nick, Nick Claxton Klax out? What's going beyond that? But the prevailing, the takeaway here, I would say Dame Lillard has the Nets on his list. In my opinion, it's trending towards a situation where he could be traded. And, you know, for a Nets team that gave up Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving at the deadline, that a lot of people crossed off the relevancy list. A lot of people thought stars weren't going to want to come there, that that was just a flash in the pan. Less than four months later, one of the top players in the league has the Nets on that list. You know, that's got to feel good for them. And how they go about it from here is going to be one of the biggest stories of the offseason moving forward. I'm going to have more coverage of it 
here on the Believe in Nets podcast, also on clutchpoints.com. You can find all my articles, news, updates, analysis there. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Slater underscore for around the clock coverage. I appreciate you guys for listening. I'll be back with more pods soon, updating on the most relevant talking points and questions heading into the summer. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.